This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside... Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. And not sweating your asses off like we are. not sweating your ass off like Andy Hanselman is right now. He's, he's sweating like a, like a hooker in church. Perspiration. Yes, perspiration. Gibson mops his brow. <laughs> Steps toes the rubber. Are you, are you nervous? Does, does, does Clay intimidate you? Because you know he works in black ops. Yeah. And yeah. he's usually overseas we, killing yeah. people. And we sit, we sit across from each and other. Sit, so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, worried, get lost I'm worried he has like, the, the whole gun under the table thing pointed at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of scared of that. Like, uh, I would be nervous too. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards. Where yes. they're all sitting there drinking in yeah. the basement. And then they shoot each other in the dick. Yeah. Yeah. Good I'll take three. <laughs> I know I'll take three. Take yeah, three. You know, it's, it's this. The thumb the and thumb. the... The thumb, the index right. finger, and the middle finger. Yeah. Because apparently that's how Germans say three, and I had no idea. I had no idea Until either. I saw that movie. That's a great It was just on the other night, and it's a great yeah, movie. Yeah, it's it's on Showtime right now. It's yeah. It's kind of like doing it's, it, the Showtime or Cinemax, whatever one of those two. Yeah. It's yeah. doing that cycle right now. Where it's doing it. You haven't it. seen that movie in a long time, and then suddenly here it comes. It's a good movie. And Christoph Waltz, I think, is just one of the, it's just incredible. He's great, that, and I love him. I, I think I like him even more in Django Unchained. That, like, okay... Inglorious Bastards was his first major motion picture. Was it really? First major motion picture. You know what he was doing before that? German TV movies. Really? And then Tarantino discovered him, and then he won an Oscar for Inglorious, and then won an Oscar for Django, and then he's been taking off ever since. He's in everything now. He's in everything now, and he's he's a great actor. Yeah. He's fantastic. Fantastic. Plays that evil role, like evil, cunning, conniving kind of guy really, really well. He was a Bond villain in uh, Spectre. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he, he when you see him, you're like, yeah, that's what a Bond villain it looks makes like. Sense. Oh, it's absolutely it makes sense. It's kind of like how like Elon Musk kind of looks like a Bond villain. Elon Musk looks like Christoph Waltz. Mm, not L- really, like a younger version. Maybe to me. a little bit, but like Elon Musk looks like a Bond. Villain. He does. He does. And he's kind of he's kind of got the money of a Bond villain, and he's got the career. Like he's super into tech. You think? Yeah, he's got it. rockets and right. flamethrowers and all that kind right. of stuff. He, he's kind of like uh, kind of like Batman. Batman, Bruce Wayne, a Wayne Industries, bit, in a way, yeah. yeah, in a way. So um, did he? Did he ship his submarine to Thailand to help get those kids out, or did they come up with something else? They came up with something yeah, else. I think, I, they, I think he was the backup plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was one of those things. Okay, if this doesn't work, then we're going to try the Elon Musk submarine. Yeah, that he was using that like kind of Falcon parts or something. Yeah, like a Falcon plane part. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's something else. I mean, way to think out of the box. He, he's. Yeah. He, it seems like he's kind of like a genius, but he's a little bit of a dick. He's a, he's kind of crazy. I think to be a true genius, you have to be a little bit crazy, and he says some zany stuff sometimes. Yeah, I mean, really oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's either going to be him or Jeff Bezos that's going to eventually conquer the world and make us all slaves. And the guy that runs <laughs> it's going to be one of the two. <laughs> and the guy that uh, runs Twitter and Facebook. Well, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, and uh, who's Jack? I don't, I don't think Jack runs Twitter anymore. I don't think he, I don't him? think he does either. But Jeff Bezos, I mean, the money that he has. That it's guy, unbelievable. He can yeah. make us all slaves. Does he have more like than Bill today. Gates now? Oh, yes. Has to. Yeah. Amazon owns everything. See, here's the problem. Now with all these new tariffs on Chinese stuff, which is all Amazon is, is imported Chinese crap when you buy stuff. I mean, who knows how that's going to continue? 
it, it, people still love it. People yeah. still love Amazon Prime. They oh, like yeah. To, they like to order something from their phone. Mm. And I know like so many people who, who get excited when they come home from work and, and they Amazon see the Amazon packs. packages. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at the door. Mrs. Hanson was one of those. See, I like it too. You know, it's it's kind of oh, oh, it's like it's like I, Christmas morning. Yeah, I have Amazon Prime. I mean, like I don't order a whole lot on it. Like yeah. I'll, I'll order like baseball caps. Like the most recent, uh, I needed to get a new Raiders cap. Yeah, because the one I had kind of smelled, and I didn't. I mean, it was kind of losing its shape. So I'm like, oh, well, I need to order a new one. So I went on Amazon and ordered a new one, and three days later, there it is. So I mean, it's it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. It, it's it's hard to argue with that kind I of buy, uh, kind of efficiency. I oh, buy yeah. I buy golf gloves on there. Wow. Um, I buy because there's a there's a brand. It's a real nice Cabaretta leather, which is like the the Cadillac of golf clubs. It's a no name brand, but they're like two for fifteen dollars. And they the actual club? No, they're gloves. Gloves. Oh, gloves. gloves. I thought I said golf clubs. I was no, like, wow, glo- I'd never do that. <laughs> no, they're gloves. Uh, what else do I buy? Tees. Uh, all this audio equipment I bought. Yeah, on Am- everything I mean, you could buy so much. Uh, those are Am- everything. You're wearing everything. Amazon Basic headphones. Those are there Amazon. These are Amazon Basic XLR cables. We Why do, not? We do not work for Amazon. You we do not Amazon. work for Amazon. <laughs> we might as well. But happy Bastille. Eventually, we all will. But happy Bastille uh, Day to you guys. Oh, well, thank you. I'm not French, but uh, appreciate He's it. French. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's a wonderful. It's, nice. it's a wonderful day. Uh, Mr. Byersdorfer, you were at Chris Stapleton last night. How was the concert? Uh, it was fantastic. He is every bit as advertised. He honestly, there's some things that. You know, you listen to the CD, you're like, man, this guy's good. But then when you go see them live, it's a whole different experience. Absolutely. He has such a soulful and powerful voice that, it, I mean, it just, it moves you. If you just heard his voice for the first time, had yeah. no idea what he looked like, and just heard his voice, you would swear that he was like a soul singer from like the 60s or the 70s. Oh, you no You would doubt. not think He's that some... he looked like a mountain man. Right. It's funny you put it like that because I've had people who aren't real familiar with his music ask me, you know, what 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 would you classify that as? And I say, you know, it's not country, but it is. It's more blues. It's than not anything. blues, but it is. It's not bluegrass, but it is. It's not soul, but it yeah. is. I think his voice. I mean, really defines the music in itself. I mean, it's, it only works with his voice. You, I don't think any other singer could really pull that. I off. don't think so either. But the funny thing is, is that I think Chris Stapleton is a good enough singer that he could sing anything else. I think so too. He covered uh, "Freebird" by Leonard Skinner last night. Really? Uh, but, okay, but like wow. the, the kind of music that he does isn't that much different than "Freebird." But I mean, like I heard him cover uh, "Nothing Compares to You" after Prince died. Oh, really? And it was amazing. Wow. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think. There's a couple other things that I've heard him sing, and I'm like, this guy could sing rock. He could sing pop. He could he could sing it all. If you could sing, you could sing. Yeah. And there is a whole genre of videos on YouTube, and they're called reaction videos. And there's these two guys. I can't think of what their name is, but it's Lost in Vegas. And it's these two black dudes who live in Vegas, and they will watch videos and listen to listen to songs, and they give you their natural reaction to their song. Those are good. That there are they're funny, and they do Chris Stapleton. And the first time they they hear Chris Stapleton's voice, and these two guys look at each other like, "Are we hearing the right thing?" And they're <laughs> like, "It was half a song in," and they're like, "Yep, this is going on the playlist." And they talk about how much they love Chris Stapleton. Wow. And there's some other girl. I can't think of what her name is. I think it might be Faith Evans. I know that's... Oh, Faith Evans, R&B not, star? Not, not, not that Faith Evans, okay. but I think... I don't know if she just kind of like took her name or if it's just a coincidence that her name is Faith Evans. Yeah. But there's a couple where her reaction to Chris Stapleton actually cracks me up because she looks like she needs like an exorcist <laughs> because she loves it so much. She just starts like shaking and she will run and get uh, coconut oil to, to try to 
what like, like like to get more toxins out because he's not doing enough or something. I mean, she loves Chris Stapleton. Wow. Like like Chris Stapleton's songs. Uh, Sometimes I cry actually brought her to tears. Oh really? Oh yeah. And like the reaction videos on YouTube sometimes are the most entertaining things that you can watch. If you need to kill, like if you're sitting someplace, like I may be doing this tomorrow morning sitting in the airport, but if you ever need to kill like half an hour or an hour, go on YouTube and just type in reaction videos and there's all kinds. There's there's another one where this dude in Atlanta, his name, his, his online name is Weibo. And it's like this 20-year-old black kid in Atlanta and he loves like heavy metal and classic rock. So you'll watch him like listening to Pink Floyd and Ted Nugent and stuff like that. It's actually kind of funny to because it's someone that you wouldn't think would ever listen to that kind of music, listening to that kind of music and their natural reaction. And, and I find it enjoyable. I'll have to check these out. Yeah, Weeboo reacts. I think Weeboo reacts. reacts and Lost in Vegas in uh on YouTube. I like YouTube videos, but I don't think I've ever watched one up. But it's like the guys who do speed runs Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Three. No, they run through. They can run through the game in like some. I mean, like with the warps in like eight minutes. Really, mm. and it's unbelievable to watch. Oh, I've seen those. They complete the, the game from the, beginning to end in eight minutes. The speed runs. Yeah, they're yeah. called speed runs. Speed runs. They know. They know exactly where to jump. It's, it's like a whole science behind it, and they do it on Twitch, but then they stream it later on YouTube. They just put the videos up on YouTube later. I don't do the live stream, mm. but people pay. People give these guys money. To watch them do this. To watch yeah. them do this. Oh, my God. Evid- a- evidently, there's a guy in Texas making half a million dollars a year playing Fortnite and letting people watch play Fortnite. I love the, playing Fortnite. The whole E-League thing fascinates me. Uh, yeah. It's, it's esports in general. It's, it's got to be a generational thing. It's, I think so, too. It's, it's got to be. I, these damn kids these days. <laughs> I, I can't imagine sitting around and watching other people play video games. I'll do I, it. I can't do it. I'll do it when I'm indisposed or if I just have a minute. But, I mean, like, even when I was a kid and playing video games, unless I'm playing the video game with you, I really don't want to sit there and watch you do it. YouTube Game Changer, throw it up on your television via if you have a smart TV. I do. It's great. Okay. It's, I love it. The best part about it, I think, is going back to what you were talking about with the reaction videos, is watching their faces while they play the game. Because they're, you know, like, biting their teeth, and they're, like, rocking back and forth, doing these, well, any game, really. But it's it's funny, because they'll talk so much stuff, and they'll talk to the people that are commenting sure. the nasty yeah. things. And I think that's what makes it so The good. one guy I watch, his name is Darbian, and he wears a heart monitor. Okay. And so you can watch how his heart goes up and down. And even, he's played Super Mario 3, I bet, a bajillion times. And even in World 8... His heart rate starts jumping up to about 140 BPM. Wow. That's ridiculous. Uh, people who probably need heart monitors yes. are the BFib. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a transition. It's another, I love our transitions about 10 minutes so, in. It's, so natural. It's, it's another week, another off-field controversy involving our beloved St. Louis Cardinals. What? No. Say it isn't so. Although I do think this one is blown a little bit out of proportion. Way out of proportion. I mean, I don't it's see... It's a non-story. I, I don't see anything... But we're going to talk about it anyway. I don't, well, I mean, what else are we going to talk about? <laughs> right? I don't see anything wrong with vets riding the rookies or younger players as long as it doesn't cross the line. I mean, I know that Bull Durham wasn't a documentary, but I do think the relationship that Crash and LB Calvin Nuke Lelouch had was pretty common. Do you think that's what Bud Norris bases his teachings on, I, Bull Durham? It could, I mean, it could very well be. <laughs> I mean, as, as, like, the only thing I was uncomfortable with was the fact that, I mean, if, if he is a narc, I don't like narcs. No one likes a tattletale. I mean, I don't care if you're five years old or if you're slinging rock for Avon Barksdale. No one likes tattletales. No one likes snitches. That's true. 
But I mean, you know what just, happens? To, it, you know what happens to snitches, don't snitches, you? Snitches they, they either get stitches or end up in ditches. It right. All, it all depends on what, <laughs> they get. Usually get stitches. Oh, on which one you want to go with? Who's going to beat up Bud Norris? <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty big dude. But I mean, if he's just there to kind of like teach Jordan Hicks how to be a pro, I've got no problem with it. Even yeah. I mean, come on. I wish there were more we, of it going on. Honestly, at this point, I mean. Do, I mean, it's something. 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 They they need something. The right. whole team needs a kick in the Did ass. Did you guys see the re? Uh, I guess who was the guy from from the Angels Key? Oh, the closer who said that Norris was like, yeah, he's took, been through this and it's totally yeah, fine. He took him under really his wing. Grateful. Well, even Jordan yeah. Hicks, and said then Jordan Hicks replied, he goes, "Great veteran, good dude. This thing, you know, it's yeah, amazing. It's amazing what there. the media will make a story out of." So I'm not sure. I mean, I think Saxon is a good journalist. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's some kind of hack. Well, the so there was a story on Viva Alberto's, and they talked about it on TMA yesterday. And it's by a guy named I think his name was Tanner Pruitt, and basically he broke down the language used in the story, okay, and the headline to show how it was made. It was made a story uh, just because of how he talked about it, and because of how he talked about it, and also how how Jordan that, Hicks talked about it, or how Saxon talked about it. Saxon talked about it. Okay. So, I mean, Saxon could have been, like, maybe trying to make himself the story and not the story itself. I mean, that could very well be, too. That doesn't seem like a Mark Saxon thing, though. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm just, I mean, I'm I'm trying to make sense of the whole thing. Yeah. The title of the story is When Writers Get Weary and Fans Feel Fatigued. So, basically, he 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 took out the facts of the Saxon story. And again, this guy's name is. Let me give him proper credit here, real quick. But, uh, but I mean, it's this... uh, Tanner Puckett. Okay, Puckett. at Tanner Puckett. At Tanner Puckett. So this story is just another example of the dysfunction of this team going back to last year with mm-hmm. the dust up between Matheny and Molina. Yeah, and then you have the whole Dexter Fowler saga, which appears mm-hmm. to be water under the bridge. Thankfully, I'm glad that seems to be kind of like behind us. Right, Dexter Fowler's play still. You know, I mean, it's only been a week. How much can you accomplish in a week? He had a good yeah. day. He had a good day on uh, Hit the Grand Wednesday. Slam. Yeah, the Grand Slam yeah. on Wednesday. We're all the Fowler haters now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how that happens. It's just like you normally never heard stories like this coming out of the St. Louis Cardinals. No. I mean, people, we talked about this last week. Model franchise yep. always runs smoothly. Uh, when you listen to Colin Coward, and he'll talk about franchises that are smart and well-run and never make dumb decisions, he always brings up the San Antonio Spurs, the New England Patri- the, the uh, New England Patriots, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, to me, it's kind of funny how the New Patriots, Win- how New England's an example because until they went on their title run in the 2000s and recently, mm-hmm. the New England Patriots were a bit of a joke. Oh, a yeah. lot of people have kind of forgotten about that. I mean, they almost moved here. The reason why the seats in the Edward Jones Dome are red is because the Patriots were going to move here. I did not know that. Yes, they well, were. Fact, oh, yeah. The Patriots were going to move here. And the Spurs. And Kraft swooped in and made the offer to buy it from the guy that owned Remington Razors. I can't think of his name at the top of my head. But Bob Kraft swooped in at the last minute. It was Orthwine. Steve Orthwine. Steve Orthwine. Mm. And bought the Patriots and then kept them in New England. And then they were even going to leave Boston. They were going to maybe move to Hartford or something like that. They weren't going to stay in Boston. They were wanting a new stadium. You know how these yeah. franchises always move. It always involves a stadium somehow. But uh, the reason why the seats of the Edward Jones Dome, why they were red, is because the Patriots were going to come here. Because it just makes sense. Why on earth would the stadiums of a team where the colors are blue and gold, with the seats be red? Yeah. No, I, I think it magnif- it, it's magnified a little bit when we talked about this last week, is when you're losing, everything gets put under the microscope. And unfortunately for the Cardinals this year, they're losing. 
you know, more often than not. And maybe these problems have been going on for a little bit longer than just the season and the winning has just kind of, you know, put a blanket on it. I want to say it was two years ago coming out of spring training. It was either Rick Hummel or Derek Gould. I can't remember which one it was talking about how there was real division in the locker room. Oh, yeah. So it seems like that division is still kind of there. And we talked about it last week mm-hmm. with uh, the information that Andy Hanselman got yeah. about how, you know, the the veterans on the team feel like they're not getting what they need from John Mabry. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, we've already, you, you could read the Bob Nightingale piece in USA Today about how uh, uh, Mike Matheny feels about John Mabry. I mean, I, could fi- I wish I could find me a woman who could say the things <laughs> about me the way that Mike Matheny was talking about John Mabry. I'd be a happy man. It's a bromance. It's it's a huge bromance. And that, I mean, actually, something like that can be problems too. Yeah. Because let's say the ownership wants to like like the ownership wants to keep Matheny. They want to get Mabry, and Matheny's like, well, either we both go or we both stay. Well, that's my thought on exactly what's happening. Is I'm sure it's, it's got to be it's it. It's got to be it. There's no. I mean, Tony Larusa went through hitting coaches like he went through socks. Yeah. It seems like every year, almost every sometimes even half season, the Cardinals were having a new hitting coach. Mm-hmm. And now we've had John Mabry for about as long as Matheny's been there. Right. Uh, I actually know was McGuire under Larusa. Was McGuire under Matheny? I think he was under Larusa. Larusa. Yeah, he was. So I think John Mabry has been the hitting coach here as almost as long mm-hmm. as Matheny's been here. I think you're yeah. correct. That's a long time for someone for a position coach to be with a manager. I yeah. mean, it's, it's like Dave Duncan and Tony Larusa. Well, they're two totally different people. I mean, Mike Matheny is, hey, everyone, you know, let's like me. You know, I want to be everybody's buddy. And Tony Larusa could care less if you liked him or not. He's a super sweet guy, but he did things his way. He set the tone in the clubhouse, and I think established that kind of veteran core. And then once that moved on, you know, guys like Chris Carpenter, Matt Holiday, you know, they moved on. It, it birthed these problems almost. Yeah, I think you're right. I think now that you're seeing that this team is a little bit younger, mm-hmm. and Matheny doesn't know what to do. Exactly. Yeah. Because he doesn't have that veteran presence to like kind of lean back on and say, hey, guys, go take care of this. But I mean, he's been a manager now for seven years. You'd think he'd figure it out by now. You would think that, I mean, this isn't like his third season. He should know. He's how a little to do league manager. <laughs> yeah, he probably was. I heard he wasn't even very good at that. Oh, what's, really? What's his name? Um, the guy who used to work the board for. Kevin Slayton, and now he works for that idiot Alex Jones uh, Infowars. What's his name? <laughs> Owen Schroyer. Owen, yeah. I remember hearing a, a story about how Owen Schroyer was coaching the team against Mike Matheny, and he outmanaged Mike Matheny in a Little League game. Now, this could be people just giving me a bunch of hyperbole, but still kind of a funny story. It would Owen, be funny to see. Owen, him down. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, hopefully this will be another thing that will blow over. I think it will. It doesn't seem like the story doesn't have a whole lot of legs. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to be affecting really the play on the field because they're still bad. Still bad, but still, it's an, awful. It's another cement block, you know, kind of locking Matheny in to, man, he's not looking so hot right now. And, and we talked about this with Craig Edwards last week. Winning is the best deodorant. It is. If, if this team was winning, we wouldn't care about any of this. The team isn't winning. They haven't won for the past couple years. They've hung around like a stale fart. There's nothing worse than being just average. Average. Yeah. Either be a bear, I mean, either be awesome or be awful. Well, One or the other. Especially after you have so many consecutive winning seasons, you know, making the playoffs, going through. I mean, you look at 2000, you know, five really through 2015, that, those 10 years. I mean, we're incredibly, incredibly blessed and fortunate, but now we're seeing the other side of the house. We've talked about this ad nauseum. The St. Louis Cardinals are the greatest source of civic pride this region has. Oh, yeah. 
most other places, you know, if you live on one of the coasts, you got the beach or you've got, you know, a, a bigger city, you got more things to do. Mm-hmm. There, you, know, you have other things that you could point to to say, hey, you know, at least we got this. Yeah. If you're in L.A., hey, we got the beach, we got the mountains. If you're in New York, you're like, hey, we got arts and we've got, you know, museums and we've got everything else. We do the best zoo in the country now, too. Well, okay. So, okay. So there, there's our other source of civic pride. We got the <laughs> zoo and we got the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, oh and we have the new Arch Park. And eventually an aquarium. And the aquarium. Things are looking up for St. Louis baseball. Look out. Baseball. Go racism. St. Louis is on. No, don't go racism. St. Louis is on its way. Joining us on the phone right now, some might say it's uh, Lisa Hart or Erica Talon that puts the Fox in Fox 2, but I like to think it's the gentleman on our phone. You can catch him on KTVI Fox 2 here in St. Louis and on the midday grind, well, middays on 590 The Fan. Be sure to follow all of his liberal bias on Twitter <laughs> at yeah. Charlie Marlowe <laughs> underscore. Charlie Marlowe, how are you, sir? What's up, fellas? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Any truth to the rumor that you will be going to the dark side and take over as head meteorologist now that Dave Murray is hanging up his radar? Oh, oh wow. That'd be an awesome. That's a sad day. How about that? I think, what, 42 years total, 34 Longer years than I've been alive. In St. Louis. Yeah, me too, in terms of uh, his total meteorological career. And he was on, uh, I don't know, he was on Good Morning America back in the day. He was the national guy on ABC. So he's a... Uh, a weather institution, but it is kind of funny because I could never do weather because those guys are, are literally scientists when it comes to predicting and forecasting the weather. Anybody could do sports. They could probably hop in, do Cardinals highlights, and you'd say, okay, that's fine. If I hop in and do weather, I would have no clue. <laughs> D- Dave Murray's going to be in the booth at ESPN any yeah, day now. I like that. Dave Murray joining Sunday Night Baseball. Or you could roll your he sleeves up it, and man. You could roll your sleeves up and go into storm mode. I mean, anybody can do that too. <laughs> sure. You know, you know when the the suit coat comes off, the tie comes, or you loosen up that tie knot and you roll up those sleeves. That's when you know shit's oh, going to hit the fan. We're in store for you know one to two inches of rain. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have that kind of like friendly rivalry with the weather department, the sports department? Because you know you guys will be working on a story all day long, but like you said, if there's one or two inches of rain. Guess who's going to get bumped? It's going to be you guys. So do you guys kind of have like a little bit of a friendly rivalry? You know what's funny? People always joke about that, and I've heard Martin Kilcoin, Frank Cusimano, they'll complain about not getting maybe enough time for sports because there's severe weather. But the weather is actually the important part of the newscast. And I know we joke, but every once in a while, predicting the weather and telling people what's coming could actually save people. And the other thing is just me being lazy. I never complain. <laughs> we do less work. Now, if you paid us by the minute or the second or the word, I might complain and say, hey, you took 45 seconds, you took 30 seconds. But at Fox 2, I mean, we have Fox 2, Channel 11. We do a four, a five, a six, a seven, a nine, a ten, an eleven, and then we tape for the morning. So I promise you, if you cut one of my stories, I will use it in another sports cast later in the day. I never complain when somebody <laughs> makes me do less work. No skin off your it's back. A good way to look at yeah. it. Yeah, like you said, it's not like you're on commission or anything <laughs> right. like that. You're, like you're, you're not selling aluminum siding during your time. You're still going to get right. paid the same. Yeah, that makes sense. We should advocate exactly. for that. Get paid by the word. Get paid by the word. Absolutely. <laughs> Charlie, think we can pull that off? <laughs> Um, I know we'd talk a lot more, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so before we brought you on, we were talking about the, the latest uh, Cardinals dysfunction between, uh, alleged dysfunction between Jordan Hicks 
and Bud Norris, and we see we come to the conclusion that's a whole lot of nothing. But we're not used to seeing dysfunctional stories come out of this organization. Do you think this is accumulation of frustration the past couple of seasons, or do you think there's something more deep seated here? I've always thought that when your team is playing poorly, you're going to see all these cracks and things talking about uh, people talking about the clubhouse chemistry and our people cancers in the clubhouse. And I remember back in the day when I was in Michigan covering the Tigers, and I remember Jim Leland said, you know, show me a team that's winning. I'll show you good chemistry. Show me a team that's losing. I'll show you horseshit chemistry. And I, I just, I think that's how it is. Two and a half years of basically mediocre baseball. We start talking about these things when the team isn't doing well. When I first read that story, I said, okay, I don't think this is a big deal. Maybe it's a little bit of something. And then yesterday, on Friday, I was at the ballpark. So we interviewed Norris, we interviewed Hicks, we interviewed Matheny, we interviewed Mosellock. And also, you have to remember, even if there was a little something there, the team is going to circle the wagons a bit, and they're going to put their own spin on it. That's going to happen regardless. I mean, you saw that last week with John Mosellock making the comments about Dexter Fowler. Then he comes back out and he says, no, that's not what I meant. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I think what John Mosellock said, he actually meant, but then he realized, okay, it looks really bad. He wanted to try to clarify. But at that point, you're in a bit of, of spin zone. I think the same with Bud Norris and Jordan Hicks. I'm sure deep down, Jordan Hicks doesn't love the way he's being treated by Bud Norris. But I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I don't think it's as big of a deal because you had what? You had two days and then you had a Cardinals off day where sports talk radio and social media just feasted on this. And then finally people talked on Friday. So again, I think Jordan Hicks probably doesn't love the way he's being treated, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Charlie, what do you think the fix is? I mean, obviously winning, you know, gets back things back on track, but from, you know, a fan standpoint, you, you sit back and, and watch all of this unfold, you know, how do the Cardinals as an organization kind of write the ship, whether you end up winning or not? I just think, I think the, the chemistry stuff, again, if you win, we don't talk about that. I, I do think that Mike Matheny should probably go. If they don't make the postseason this year, I think it's time for a change. And look, Mike Matheny is a nice guy. He has a great win percentage. He made the, the playoffs his first four years. But look, there's some great managers in the history of baseball. Look at Joe Torre. Joe Girardi last year gets let go one game from the World Series. Terry Francona, after winning a couple World Series with the Red Sox, now he's having success with the Indians. Sometimes you just have to change it up up top. And look, Mike Matheny will probably get another gig somewhere else, just, just based on that win percentage. But I just feel like you have to make a change. I feel like the fan base no longer wants Mike Matheny to be the manager. And so, you know, if you make that culture change, that that's a start. But also, I don't I don't think you can look at the roster and say, okay, this is all of a sudden a World Series contender just if you have a new manager. They have really, really good starting pitching, and they have good starting pitching depth if guys stay healthy. I know it's a big if, but I'm not ready to punt on 2019 next year if you have Reyes and he can give you something, and you have Flaherty, you have Carlos Martinez, um, you have Miles Michaelis for one more year. You'd have Michael Walker for one more year. Whatever happens with Luke Weaver, you have Gomber, you have Hudson. You have depth there. What the Cardinals don't have on the major league roster, what they don't have in the high minor leagues, they don't have that superstar position player. Yadier Molina is my age. He's, what, 35, 36. Paul DeYoung, very nice player. Matt Carpenter, very nice player. I thought Marcelo Zuna might be that A-type player. I, I, I really wanted the Cardinals to get him. Obviously, that hasn't worked out. But you need that Manny Machado-type player 
and then everybody else can kind of fall into their roles and be ancillary pieces. And the Cardinals will have to spend huge to get somebody like that because they're not close in double A AA or triple A. And to me, until you get that guy to build around position player wise, the Cardinals probably won't be a World Series contender. Charlie, knowing that that's not really the Cardinals MO to kind of go out and spend a bunch of big money do you see them really just changing you know not only managers but just an organizational mindset if you think that's going to be the fix I I do actually because they have tried recently you know with David Price which I think you know hindsight is 2020 with some of these I think signing David Price would have been a very good move Um, I never was a fan of bringing back Jason Hayward for for that amount and I've always thought that just as an offensive player he was extremely overrated he was kind of paid because he was young and people thought he would get better. Mm-hmm. But look, he had six years in the major leagues. Most guys don't get better. He had that he had that really good season early in his career where he hit 27 home runs. And then look, last offseason, the Cardinals, if Giancarlo Stanton wanted to come here, the Cardinals were fine with taking on that $300 million contract. And I would say, look, don't go after the Dexter Fowlers and the Mike Leakes, the guys who are B-type free agents for the $80 million deals. And don't go after the 31 the 31 year old guys that you have to pay till they're 35 or 36. If there is anybody on earth that I would back up the Brinks truck for, it would be Manny Machado. And I would say that over Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper. I mean, he's hitting 215. He plays corner outfield. There's a lot of right fielders you can find. I'm not saying they're as good as Bryce Harper, but that can hit you 30 home runs. There are hardly any shortstops and even third basemen that are what? 26 years old. They get their absolute prime that are impact MVP type candidates that can hit three and four from you, uh, for you. And that's like, look, I would give that guy a 10 year deal because you're going to get him until he's 35. He'll probably get three opt outs anyway. And that's one guy that I would absolutely try to give the biggest possible deal. And that's the Cardinals will probably have to give the biggest offer and maybe $20 million more and maybe an extra year. That's what they'll have to do to get Manny Machado. Um, but they don't have a Manny Machado waiting in the wings. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> and I'm with you. I've, I've been driving the Manny Machado uh, tour bus, I guess you could say, or train to come to St. Louis going back to last year. And each in passing each passing day, I keep thinking that it's going to be less and less of a reality because I think that the Cardinals, would their best move, in my opinion, and you don't want them to see them do this, is to make a trade, bring him in, mm-hmm. and then spend the entire remaining season to convince him that this is the place to be. I'm not comfortable with this organization outbidding the. I mean, I don't think the Dodgers are going to do it because they'll have uh, Seager coming back and they have Justin Turner, so they they have that part of the infield covered. But I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to outbid like the Yankees or be able to outbid the Phillies when it comes to Manny Machado. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean that, that's a good point, but also, I mean, this organization has money. We always talk about them. They do a, a small market team. I mean, they they could take on a contract like that. I, I agree, though, that. I don't buy the whole, and I know this worked with Matt Holiday, but that was 2009. We're talking almost a decade ago. I think there's still this thought that, oh, if we bring him in and he gets a standing ovation, best fans in baseball, he'll yeah. want to stay here mm-hmm. forever. And I just, look, that, that worked with Matt Holiday, but he's also a, a different cat. He's from Oklahoma. He was older. He was older. He was married, had kids, more settled down. No, absolutely. Family, uh, lived here, liked it here. And also, look at that that team. I mean, in 2009, they get to the playoffs, they skip it in 10, but he saw a roster probably also that he could win with, and they did, and they win the World Series in 11. They get to the playoffs basically the next three, four years after that. I don't know if, 
I don't know if pending free agents look at the Cardinals right now and, and even think they're going to be a playoff team next year. That's why we always joke about Jason Hayward and okay, maybe he really didn't like the city of St. Louis. I don't know. Maybe everything going on with Ferguson and all that, maybe he didn't like that. I don't know. But also when he talked about that aging core and we kind of laughed, I mean, the guy was right. Like, let's be honest. He goes to the Cubs. They have generational position players or, you know, they have Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and Contreras and all these guys. Oh, yeah. And they won the World Series. He was right. Like, we joke about that, but the guy was spot on. He, he, he was spot on. And I also think that a lot of it had to do with, I think you see how Joe Madden is, and he seems to be more of a fun guy, yeah. a little bit more of a relaxed environment mm. to to you know to work in and, and a relaxed manager to play for. I mean, I've met Mike Matheny. He's he's like you said, he's a very nice guy, but he doesn't exactly strike me as a fun guy to hang out with or a fun guy to play along. I mean, you're talking about a long season, 162 games. You got to see that guy. Every you're you're going to see that guy every single day. And if you were on about you were in Vegas last weekend for a bachelor party. Who would you rather have on that bachelor party with uh, Mike Matheny or Joe Madden? <laughs> well, that's an easy one. <laughs> sure. It's funny because I was I was talking about this the other day, and I remember because I I totally agree with you because I remember though in 2011 when the Cardinals were whatever it was 10 11 games out I remember on the morning after at that time Ken Rosenthal was coming on the show once a week we had a deal where he came on once a week and we asked him about you know Tony Larusa now this was his final year we didn't know that but we said is this a guy who maybe grinds too hard on on players and he basically said yeah I, th- I think that's a fair question you wonder if is it too difficult to play for a guy who's a bit of a taskmaster and the whole idea of young players not being as comfortable. And then what happens that year? They win the World Series. So, again, I think Mike Matheny inherited a really good roster in 2012. And he got that team to a couple NLCSs. He got them to a World Series. So if the roster's good, you know that Mike Matheny can at least take that team to a, to a certain level. And getting to the World Series is pretty far. I just think right now – you have a mediocre roster, you have whatever it is, an 83 win, an 85, an 86, whatever it is. And I just don't think Mike Matheny amplifies the roster. I don't no. think he gives you a strategic advantage in game in terms of managing a, a bullpen uh, at all. And then, so look, if the reason they hired Mike Matheny was leader of men, CEO, you know, natural leadership qualities, and that's why they, they hired him, because look, he, he managed – in, in Little League Baseball. He had no professional <laughs> None. That That's just a fact. Yeah. So, so look, if he doesn't bring you a strategic advantage in-game, which I don't think he does, to be to be quite fair, and then now you see the cracks in the whole leadership mantra with Fowler, with last year with Yachty, even the Hicks-Norris thing, which is minor, but still, we're hearing more of this. Then you have to ask yourself, what is he bringing to the table? Exactly. If you have better options. Right. And, and he, that was supposed to be like the excuse for why you brought someone with so little experience mm. is that he was the quote unquote leader of men and good that motivator. he was yeah, a good motivator and that he was going to come in and he was going to set the tone. Well, it seems like he has set the tone and the tone's not very good. Uh, and Charlie, I know that you, you've downloaded and listened to every single one of our episodes. I know you're a super fan. Uh, <laughs> last, our last episode, Andy Hanselman broke some news about how Mike Matheny is a reason why a lot of free agents will not come here. And a lot of reason why some trades fall through. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that specifically, but I would say just all these guys talk to each other. You know, all these baseball players, they train together in the offseason. Many of them, they played against each other in the minor leagues. They played in college. They played against each other in the SEC. 
or the Pac-12. And nowadays, all these guys that are studs, they're on the showcase circuits together when they're 15, 16, 17, 18. They all know each other and they all talk. So, yes, I would say that the perception of the St. Louis Cardinals, right or wrong, and, and it's probably more right, is just not a real fun place to play. And I'm not saying it has to be Joe Madden where you're bringing in giraffes every day and clowns and mimes and things like that. But it is kind of that old school Cardinal way, uh, do things right. Uh, you know, don't speak up. Um, and I, I like baseball to be a little more fun. So I could I could certainly see how some free agents would look at St. Louis. First of all, it's a team that hasn't made the playoffs in three years. And then if you want to bring in things in the city and Ferguson, we obviously don't have a great national reputation. If you don't know much about the city and all you do is watch cable news, the things you hear about us are bad. Yeah. And then, yeah, you hear about kind of a, a very, a very upstanding religious manager who's kind of by the book old school. I could certainly see how a lot of 24, 25, 26-year-old kind of millennial-type athletes who grew up in a different generation wouldn't necessarily love coming here and playing for that. Not very attractive. Not at all. Charlie, we appreciate your time, sir, and uh, make sure everybody catches Charlie on KTVI Fox 2 and listens to him middays on 590 The Fan where he does the midday grind with Martin Kilcoin. Charlie, thank you, sir. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Um, have you guys been watching any of the World Cup? We have the championship game tomorrow between Croatia and France. Boy, the English are pissed off. I'm pissed off. Here's the reason why I'm pissed off. I'm heading to uh, New York City tomorrow morning. Yep. I was wanting to go to an English pub yeah. and watch the game. Get some but, fish and chips. Huh? Get some fish and Absolutely. chips. Absolutely. They need to go find a Croatian pub. Well, and there are. <laughs> there are Croatian bars. Oh, I'm sure there are. I feel in like Manhattan, they, but like they're the, not going to be anywhere near where I'm going to be. I feel like those bars might be a little bit more rough. Maybe, Maybe. a little bit. I mean, like, there are, like, French places to go and watch it, but they're all, like, wine bars. Right. I'm boy, like, the, I'm not going to go there boy, and the drink English wine. English didn't even get third. No, they got they got beat by Belgium today, two to nothing. And I completely forgot they play a third place game. That is nothing that we would do here in America. You no. do not play a third place game. Like you may get third, like if it's a race, you're going to finish third. But I mean, you're not going well, to very, see. That's very Olympic. Olympics do that. Oh yeah. So Olympic I mean, like, with team with team sports, yeah, oh, yeah well, they medal. have medals. Yeah, yeah. It's but the like, same thing. You, you don't, don't you don't see that here in America. You don't take home the what's the trophy called? The World Cup. World Cup. I'm not trophy. sure. I'm not sure what it's is called. it called. The World Cup. It may just be called the World <laughs> Cup. They take home a bronze World Cup, Belgium, if they win. I don't know. I don't think so. Now. I think, and I think they do get medals, though. Okay, so I would land in Newark at 930, and then I have to catch a train from Newark to Penn Station, and then I will take a cab from Penn Station to where my friend lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and then I would just find an English bar there. Why don't you just cab from Newark? Is that, is that what that oh cost? My, oh, my God. God, It'd be like yes. a $100 cab. That'd oh, be, really? That'd be like a $90 cab yeah. ride, and it's $11 to ride the train. It's about an hour, almost an hour drive. From Newark to like, really? down in the city. That, that, yeah. That's like the worst thing about New York. Yeah. It's just that like, it's kind of like L.A. When you're looking at it distance-wise, it's not that far. No. But when you calculate congestion and traffic and everything else, it takes it's, a little bit longer. It's a nightmare. It's, I haven't been to New York since 2003. And my, I met a buddy out there, and we went down to uh, we went down to a, we drove to we drove from New Jersey to a Yankees game in the Bronx. And it took us about 45 minutes to an hour to go about 20 miles. Mm-hmm. It was but, pretty, pretty impressive. Well, <laughs> pretty you want to talk impressive. about impressive. 
if you're wondering who you should root for tomorrow between France and Croatia. Well, it's France. No, I'm here to tell you Croatia. And here's the reason why Be you an American, Andy. No he, one likes France. Here, no, it's got nothing to do with, <laughs> with, with it's got nothing heritage, to do with France or the French are... people. The reason why you need to cheer for Croatia is their president, Kolinda Grabar Kitrovic. I've seen Miss Kitrovic. Tell you what, not bad, gentlemen. Not bad at all. I think she like wears bikinis and stuff. She does. Good for her. She is a 50 year old woman, and she does not look 50. She is. Uh, I don't think this is even a thing anymore, but she would be cougarish is the best way to describe her. Is cougar not a thing anymore? I don't. I haven't heard anybody call someone a cougar in a long time. There used to be commercials all the time for cougarlife.com, the dating site. I can't remember the last time I've seen one of those. Cougarlife.com? Cougar li- cougarlife.com. If you, were in, if you were an older woman and you were in the market for a younger guy, that's where you went. Good God. Or vice versa. All right. Hey, if, there's, if there was a dating site for married people, we're going to have a dating site for women who want younger men. This is true. Dang, I just found these photos. Holy yeah, she's cow. neat. She's uh, she's not bad. So Well, good for Croatia. I think I am on Team Croatia tomorrow. Good for Croatia. Good for them. Could yeah, you imagine- I, I would like to see that. Like, They're not perennial known as like one of the soccer they, like, think, superstars. I think I heard someone say that if they were to win, they would be the smallest country has to, be, to yeah. win the World Cup. Because normally it's... Brazil, countries with, yeah, usually it's Spain, countries with yeah. bigger populations. Right, right, right. Croatia would be the smallest. But uh, France, last time they won it, I believe, was 1998. But, I mean, yeah, that's correct. I, I've enjoyed this World Cup. I haven't been able to watch as many games because they're on during the day, during the week. Right. right. So I haven't been able to see them. Like, you know, four years ago it was in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So you could watch the games at night whenever yeah. you got home. Yeah, yeah. This wasn't the case. But on the weekends, in the morning, I've enjoyed watching it. I think the, the fun thing about the World Cup games and soccer in general is that they have the continuous clock. The clock keeps going. Right. You know, it's the first half and the second half. That's it. So you can watch an entire soccer match and provided it doesn't go to penalty kicks or, you know, a whole lot of They're two hours long. Yeah. They're two hours. That's it. They're done. That's it. You can go on with your life. Go on with your day. It's, it's, the it's, Rob fa- Manfred, it's fantastic. Ma- Rob Manfred style of soccer. I mean, there's something to that. A lot of these, there is. A lot of these baseball games. I, I, I make fun of people like who will go to a game in May. It'll be like an extra inning game, and they'll stay like all 15 innings. I'm like, are you out of your mind? I thought that shit show last night was three hours and 24 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Get the hell out of here. In that, in that heat. In that heat. And it was a To sellout. watch a 9-1 ass kicking. And it was a sellout crowd, too. 45,000 people. 45,000 people. So if you want to see changes really, I mean, DeWitt keeps talking about how they're going to make changes. I'll believe it when I see it. But if you really want to ensure that there's going to be changes, quit going to the damn ballpark. Quit going to the ballpark. Quit going to Ballpark Village. I mean, I I hate saying this, you know, about Danny Mac and, and Jim Edmonds and and Brad Thompson and everybody, but quit watching it on TV too. Like yep. you know, if you quit watching, if you quit paying attention, eventually things will change. If you lose customers, if you own a restaurant, and people stop coming in, you're gonna be like, what do we need to do? We gotta change the menu. We gotta change the ambiance. You know, maybe we need a better location. We gotta do something to get the, our customers back. Do you honestly think that ever happened though? Yeah, like pe- I do. People would stop going to Cardinal. He, here's games what. Here's well, I think they have. They have. Because the, the games used to be something like he, uh, Shannon said last night that it was the 12th sellout of the year, halfway through the season. Before that, back, I mean, back in 2012, granted, they were coming off a championship season, mm-hmm. but I'm sure they had more than really? 30 oh, I'm, sellouts. I'm sure they did too. But I, it's kind of funny that Charlie brought up the 2011 season. I remember, like, towards the end of that year, you know, like, I quit paying attention to the Cardinals because the Rams were coming off a pretty good year in 2010. 
I think they went uh, seven to nine, seven to nine seven. that year, and they That's had good for the Rams. That, I mean, that was considering what they were before. Yeah, they were so one of fifteen the year before. So they were coming off a seven to nine year. You have Sam Bradford going into his second year mm-hmm. as as the uh, the the, uh, the starting quarterback. Yeah. So there was so much more buzz about the Rams in twenty eleven at the fall of 2011 than there was the Cardinals. And I remember listening on 101 ESPN. They were doing live broadcasts down at the stadium, and they were talking about how there's no one here. No one was going to these games because the, the team oh, the team was terrible. I remember my mom was asking me about, like, did you watch the Cardinal game? I'm like, why do you keep watching this team? The games are bad. The team is bad. They're not going anywhere. I said the same thing in 2006, too. And They, I mean, <laughs> they were bad that year, too. It's, it's kind of funny. Boy, did how you they, feel ridiculous. They are, it's, it's amazing. In 2004, that is the best Cardinals team I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. The best. That team was fantastic. Yeah. At least, uh, at least you know, the offense and the team on the field. When, now, when you look at the starting pitching, you're like, yeah. wow, how'd they make it that far? I mean, it was... Uh, Woody Williams and Matt Morris, Jason yeah. Simon Tachi, no, no, uh, Jason Marquis, Jason Marquis, yeah, and um, uh, Jeff Supon, Jeff Supon. Yeah. So you're looking at that, you're like, wow, <laughs> Tony Larusa got yeah. got to the World Series, and the, and the uh, the Cardinals were heavily favored mm-hmm. in that World Series, heavily, yeah. And, but they got there. The, the The Red Sox had all the momentum in the world. They ran into a buzzsaw four games over. It, I mean, four games later, and it was over. Yeah. But it's amazing how 2004 or 2013, both those teams were like juggernauts going into oh, yeah. the playoffs. You're yeah. thinking, here, here we go, another World Series title. And they ended up not winning it to the same team, ironically. Yeah. And then 2006, 2011 – the last the, the two times they won it, you're like, this team isn't going to do diddly squat in the playoffs. They end up winning the whole damn thing. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It is funny. Hopefully uh, something like that happens this year and we all look stupid. Hey, you know what? That's fine. I'll be more than happy to look More wrong. than happy to look stupid. More yeah. than happy to look stupid. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. In fact, I almost kind of don't want it to happen because I want Matheny gone. Oh, okay. If Matheny wins, I think they're going to gone anyway. You think if they win, they, they get rid of him? I think he's gone anyway. I think you're crazy. I think if somehow he pulls his team together and they win the trophy, he's not going anywhere. They'll probably sign him to an extension. Well, that would be like uh, the Raptors head coach. What was his name? Got Drew Casey. Yeah. He yeah. Got most outstanding coach or He got coach of the year. Well, that, that, and then he got fired. The only other time I can think of is when um, – I, I can't think of his name. He was the coach of the Nuggets. Uh, Carl um, – Oh, Carl with a K. Um, Ravich? No, 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 no. God, we're gonna have to cut a lot of this out. <laughs> we're gonna have to cut a lot of this out. I'm not editing all this shit. You guys are driving me nuts. <laughs> um, it's not. Oh, damn it! All right, now I have to edit it. It's too long. <laughs> I just t- typed in George Carl. George Carl. George Carl. So George Carl, one year he was the NBA Coach of the Year when he was coaching the Denver Nuggets, and the next, like as soon as he won the award, they fired him. Yeah. And George Carl is one of those guys where he kind of eventually wears out his welcome. If you notice, he's not coaching anywhere right now right. in the NBA, and he kind of had some somewhat racial things to say in one of his books, and now he's nowhere. He's just he, a curmudgeon old band. He is, but I mean, like, he's not on, he's not on ESPN. He's oh, yeah. not on NBA TV. He's not on Fox Sports. He is not anywhere. Um, but, yeah, this team somehow, someway comes together this year and wins it. They're not getting rid of Matheny. You're out of your mind. No, yeah, you're crazy. I know. I was being <laughs> I would hope so. Playing devil's advocate. I would hope so. Um, thanks to Charlie Marlowe from Fox 2 and 590 The Fan for joining us. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Charlie Marlowe underscore. Um, I am off to New York City. 
New York City. The city, so, the city so nice they named it twice. I'm off to be a part of it. If I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. I'll catch you guys on the other side. Have a good day.